Hey, I'm Iona, and you're listening to Book, Line, and Sinker, a podcast from the Marble Falls Public Library. Today, I am so excited to interview Donna Marie Miller, author of The Broken Spoke. We discuss her new book and the rich history of Austin's legendary honky-tonk, The Broken Spoke. So stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this time I want to welcome y'all to Broken Spoke, the last of the crude Texas dance halls, and damn sure proud of it. i tell you one thing, we ain't fancy, but we're damn sure our country. The good news is we ain't changing nothing. We ain't getting none of them hanging fern baskets on our ceilings out here. We ain't getting none of that Pierre water either. When you go up front, order your hamburger, don't ask for that great food pond. You're getting the real mustard out here. But we do have cold beer, good whiskey, the home of the best chicken fried steak in town, and we got the real live country music right here at the Broken Spoke tonight, yeah. And last but not least, we have all these good-looking girls to dance with. Well, but the girls out here, all right. As we roll into our 40th year, right here at the Broken Spoke, we've had people like Willie Nelson right here, Bob Wills, George Strait, Dolly Parton, Ernest Tubbs, Jack Twitter, the list goes on and on. But about the best thing that ever happened to me right here at the Broken Spoke is when I came underneath the big old tree out there, walked across the old dirt in the parking lot, and threw the door open this red, rustic old building, knowing damn good and well I was in that Carnegie Hall. I tell you what, tonight, y'all have a good time right here at the Broken Spoke. If you like waltzes and polkas, Two-step cotton eye Joe, deep it in the heart It has been growing almost 54 years. It'll be 54 years since it opened November 10th. Oh, okay. That's good to know. <laughs> so, first, can you give our listeners just a little bit of background information? I know you were a journalist, and um, where, for how long? <laughs> they cut you today. Yeah, <laughs> well, um... I have I have a varied background beginning in journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, when I graduated West Texas State University in ni- 1978, um, it was it was then West Texas State. Now it's called West Texas A and M University. Um, and I went to work for the uh, El Paso Herald Post right out of college, working for them as a feature writer, general assignment reporter, cub. And then from there, I got hired at the Amarillo Globe News in the Panhandle of Texas and worked entertainment beat, and then my editor made me a police reporter. And I worked that for a long time, and then I took a sabbatical after a really rough case that I covered in 1981. I took a sabbatical and came to Austin and worked about six months covering progressive country music movement because it was really big starting in Austin and at the Broken Spoke and it, you know, I, of course the uh, Austin World Headqu- uh, Armadillo World Headquarters had just closed, but Threadgills was open, of course, and there were a lot of places in town that I went to and covered progressive country music at the Cactus Cafe, etc. And then after six months, I decided that I really wanted a steady paycheck and went back to the Globe News and continued to work there for another year and a half until I found out about a job as a teacher and I taught at Emerald High for four years. Then I decided to go back to journalism and I went to work at the El Paso Times as a uh, general assignment reporter first and then business and community writer. 
Um, some of my editors from the Emerald Globe News had gone to work at the El Paso Times, so they knew me, and that's how I got that job. And um, I then went back to teaching when I got married in 1994, and then um, taught at Franklin High School in El Paso, and had my son, and did that for a while, and then in 1996, I moved back to Austin, and um, taught it um, first at Maynard High School and then at uh, Hill Country Middle School in Eames District for four years. Taught journalism and web design and, and photography. And then I got a job at Bowie High School and I taught there for 12 years. And as I was getting ready to retire in, ninth, in 2013, one of my students in my broadcast class was Molly Montague. And just like all my journalism students, they were tasked with creating a five-minute documentary about someone they knew. And she said, I would like to interview and do a documentary on my grandfather. And she said, my grandfather is James White, the owner of the Broken Spot. Nice. And I had been going there since 1982. Mm -hmm. And I knew it very well, but I had never really sat down and had a conversation with Mr. White. So she said, why don't you come with me and run Sound and Lights? So I went and we did a little documentary and um, Mr. White and I hit it off. And he said, you know, I've always wanted to book about this place. And I said, well, I can do that for you. I'm going to be retiring from teaching in about two weeks. And so that's how it began. Um, we, I started working and interviewing him once a week, and it took about three years. I interviewed 110 entertainers and dancers and people that had gotten married at the Broken Spoke <laughs> and did a lot of research, and then the book came out in 2017. I'm sorry, I really enjoyed There's just so many interviews in the book. I love that. So how did the Broken Spoke kind of begin? Well, in 1964, James White was getting out of the Army, and he was wondering what he was going to do with the rest of his life. And he had really grown up in Oak Hill and in Austin because his family goes back three generations, all the way back to the Texas Rangers. And he knew he didn't want to be in law enforcement, but he had kind of gotten his honky-tonk education, if you will, <laughs> growing up in Central Texas and going to all the dance halls that had been created over the last hundred years. And he, since he was eight years old, he went with his mom and dad and his stepdad and his stepmother to honky tonks. And so he says, I'm going to start a honky tonk. And one day he was driving along 290, which before then was the, um, like a farm to market road. Mm -hmm. And he saw this sign out front, and it said Land for Lease. And so he called Jay Johnson, who was then a city council member, and he began renting the land, and he built the place himself. And he got a few of his friends who were hard drinkers to help build it, which is why not everything is exactly straight and level, <laughs> and the ceiling is too low. All the electrical wiring is akimbo, but... It is what it is, and it's a wonderful place. And they added on in, uh, I think it was 1997 that they added the dance floor. But they started with the one-room honky-tonk on November 10th, 1964. And Mr. White bought a couple of cases of beer, and when he sold that, he went out and bought some more, <laughs> and they kept their money in a cigar box. And 
they were in business. <laughs> what exactly is a honky-tonk? A honky-tonk, according to James White, is a place where you go with someone you like, and you have a few drinks, and you do some dancing, and you get to tonking, and pretty soon you're honking, and you're honky-tonking. <laughs> That's not the definition. The definition is really a place where people, you know, it all began, I think, back east, and it moved west into Oklahoma and Texas around the turn of the century. It's a place where people gathered with live music and some strong drink and did some dancing. But dance halls and honky-tonks usually are affiliated because the honky-tonks in the front and the dancing's in the back. Though there might be drinking back there, the main focus is dancing. I say, uh, I worked at a biker bar all through my undergrad and it had been open since the 60s and had the same family owners and it had this very local feel. Um, so I was wondering, are there patrons that have been going there since the beginning? And did you get to speak with any of them? I sure did. Um, there is a couple in their 80s and um, Jim and Birdie that go to the Honky Tonk regularly. I go to the Broken Spoke regularly and dance. And they've been going there for 50-something years. And they say that's how they get their exercise. <laughs> and Jim drinks a lot of Lone Star beer. And Birdie dresses up pretty in her best country wear and a flower in her hair and spins around the dance floor a few <laughs> times at least once a month. That's great. Um, so how has it changed over the decades? The Broken Spoke itself today looks almost exactly like it did when it was built altogether, 19, 1964 to 1967. There are more photos on the wall of all the entertainers that have played there in 50-something years. There are lots of movie stars that have stopped by and graced the halls that Mr. White's had pictures with, um, famous individuals. There's a lot of famous sparkly Western suits and cases called nudie suits by a man named Nudie, who last name was Nudie, who designed them for the stars in the 60s and the Cadillacs that he emblazoned with longhorns and and gems and all kinds of frilly things. But And there's also a silver saddle encased um, as you walk into the front room, the dining room. And most of those things have been added to the place since it opened. But the rest of it, even the little country curtains in the front and the way scale by the door as you enter, all those things have been there since the beginning. So it really, and it was built to look like a place that Mr. White used to frequent as a boy. So it really looks like something from the 40s and 50s rather than the 60s. That's incredible how little has changed considering Austin has. Yeah. It changes just within like a year. I don't even recognize driving into it. It kind of has <laughs> the Stuart Little House effect. <laughs> squeezed between the, the giant concrete and steel of the um, 704 commercial real estate place around it there mm -hmm. on South Lamar mm -hmm. Boulevard. So Willie Nelson is a fan favorite <laughs> with our community and patrons. Of so course. I want to definitely go into the 90s and the fundraising. Well, you know, Willie Nelson's history with the Broken Spoke actually stretches back to the early 60s. Um, he started playing at the Broken Spoke in 1966 when he had short hair. There's a bunch of pictures in the Broken Spoke book that I wrote um, of him with short hair. 
clean-shaven face and wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> and he came in, and he had a sports coat on, and he had his band, the Record Men, because he had been a disc jockey, you know, in Dallas and Fort Worth. And he had written the song, The Record Man. And Mr. White sings it so well, too. But he came in and asked Mr. White if he could play there. And, of course, Mr. White said yes. And he even used to hire Pop Nelson, Willie Nelson's dad, to play there with his band, too. And they played all through the 60s and the 70s and into the 80s. Um, Mr. White really and truly began to develop a family bond with Willie Nelson. So in 1990, when Willie Nelson had his tax troubles, <laughs> he, he sort of hightailed it to Hawaii with his best friend Trigger, his guitar. And Mr. White just thought that it was wrong that the IRS was taking all Willie's land and his house and all his possessions, even the clothes that he had worn in some of his shows and movies. And so he and Annetta White, his, Mr. White's wife, decided to do something on their own. They put a five-gallon pickle jar on the bar in the broken spoke that said, where there's a Willie, there's a way. And people began donating just out of their pockets and making checks, some of them. And people be, began just donating to the where there's a Willie, there's a way foundation, if you will. And after a while... Mr. White took the money and gave it to Willie's daughter, Lana, and said, please give this to Willie and let him know that we want him home for Christmas here in Austin where he belongs, and we love him and miss him. Well, by the time Willie Nelson got the money, he was, he was so overwhelmed, he called Mr. White and he said, you know what, This I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I'm going to come home for Christmas, so I'm going to bring some friends of mine with me. And in the meantime, Mr. White began to get letters from all over the country because AP Wire had picked up the story and CNN had picked up the story, ABC, NBC, CBS. Everyone was writing about this phenomenon of people raising money in, in Austin, Texas at the Broken Spoke. And Mr. White became Willie Nelson's um, mailman, if you will. He got letters from Birmingham Jail. <laughs> He got letters from reservations in New Mexico, people saying, well, we don't have much money, but if you want to come and stay with Mama and me, you can, and we'll let you drive our old truck. You know, people were so gracious, and he sent all those letters to Willie. So when Willie came to Austin, he brought Chris Christopherson with him, and they played all night long with Alvin Crow and others on stage at the Broken Spoke. And from that point forward, it seemed that even though they had raised $16.5 million that the IRS wanted from Willie and his taxes, they had raised a little bit and had encouraged Willie to try to, to meet the, the, the payments. And the IRS backed off on the amount eventually, and it reduced quite a bit. And he worked really hard in some places in the United States over the next couple of years, and he paid back all those taxes. But the broken spoke was never the same again as a result. Everyone knew about it, and it became not only iconic in Austin, but iconic in the world. That story is incredible. <laughs> it just, it's so Willie Nelson. <laughs> I, I enjoy him. It's funny because a lot of people in our community are Yankees and retired, and they, like, you can almost see there's just, like, a common, um, just thread between because everyone loves Willie Nelson yeah <laughs> even north and south so 
Well, I grew up, I grew up all over the United States, but I started my life in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. In my book, I mentioned that, that I was eight years old when Mr. White and Annetta opened the Broken Spoke in 1964. But I made my way with my family west and ended up in El Paso as a teenager. And I heard Marty Robbins' song, El Paso, on the radio for the first time when I was in middle school. And I knew that my heart was going to be forever changed by the sound of country music. And when I went to college, my professor who wrote the foreword of my book, Charles Townsend, began to show all of his students about the history of classic country music and Gene Autry and Jimmy Rogers. And I developed a real appreciation for country music. And that, of course, was the beginning of the progressive country music movement in Texas, where it began here in Austin. And all the country entertainers from Austin began to fill up the sound waves in my car, on my radio, or at home in the dorms. Texas country is so unique. I kind of had a similar feeling. Um, I'm from Fort Worth, but I moved to Corpus about uh, probably 15 years ago and was there for fin for about 10 years. And I heard the song by Robert Earl Keen, yes. Corpus Christi Bay. There you go. <laughs> and I could never just sit and watch the bay and like see it the same again. And just like, and now when I hear it, I'm like, I miss Corpus. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. <laughs> Texas country, it really does have a special place in all our hearts. And that kind of gets to, to a question I want to ask, a theme in our author programs this year is, is seeing Texas through different lenses. And so what story about Texas does your book tell, or how is the Broken Spoke a reflection of Texas culture? Well, I have a lot of Texas culture and Austin culture in my book. What I did is I divided the book by decades, and in each decade I tell one mini-chapter about what was happening in Texas at that time in history. The middle thread is what was happening in the white family. And then the third is what was happening in Austin. So you get a taste for each decade. And in the 60s, we saw a really interesting phenomenon throughout Texas beginning as early as really the 1940s. But dance halls have a tradition in Texas that I mentioned in my book that began with Native Americans, Mexican Americans, African Americans, Germans that came to this country, um, Czechoslovakians, and with them they brought their traditions and dance and food and customs that, that, that they lavished at these dance halls. And maybe there wasn't a dance hall, maybe there was just a barn, and these people would get together and celebrate, and it became a community of cultures that came together to celebrate their origins and their their music and their foods. And so it, I think that what is so important to this, this, this book and people that read this book is that they're learning not just about the broken spoke history, they're learning that Texas has a rich history of cultures that brought dances like the polka and the shoddish and the cotton eye joe and um, two step to Texas. And now it flourishes, and it's very well known throughout the whole country. But we really be we began that dance hall tradition. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, can you let our listeners know where they can purchase your book, The Broken Spoke? Yes, um, 
The Broken Spoke book, it's called The Broken Spoke, Austin's Legendary Honky Tonk, is available in print in hardback, now in its second edition, um, at Amazon, at Book People here in Austin, um, or there in Austin, uh, Barnes & Noble across the country and online. And it's also available in Kindle. So, and it's soon to be an audiobook in oh. 2019 with the song of the Broken Spoke, the legend of the Broken Spoke, sung by none other than James White. There's also a DVD called um, The Broken Spoke, or no, it's called uh, Country <laughs> Honky Tonk Heaven, The Legend of the Broken Spoke, and it's by uh, Brenda Mitchell and her husband and several others who created the documentary about the time that I wrote the book. And I would also like to say that if they haven't, anyone has not visited the Broken Spoke, it's a good time to stop by and visit. It's a wonderful place and a wonderful family. Right now they are suffering a little bit in crisis with Jenny White Peacock in the hospital and ICU. But the Broken Spoke has lasted 54 years and it's it's bound to last another 50 or more and we hope that the community will rally and support the White family. Yeah, Austin wouldn't be the same without it. Okay, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> Gotta dance with who brung you, swing with who swung you, live love, laugh, have a ball. For tomorrow she'll find you.